Okay, how's everyone feeling? You good? Oh, come on. That doesn't sound too convincing. They're like half a person is good today. Are you guys good? There we go. I don't want this game. You know, if you're new here, True Life Church is not a quiet church. Amen. Amen. Okay, we, we talk back to the preacher, and the reason for that is because it just goes down better. You know, the louder it is, the better it is sometimes. You know, I'm from Africa, as you know, um, and in Africa, it gets loud, it gets noisy. But I remember getting to Britain, and everyone in a prayer meeting, like, waited for each other to pray. And I was like, what is going, why are they so polite? Is this why the British are polite? And then I realized that was just the context I was in. And then we started praying out loud together and it was just incredible. Amen. So guys, it is good to be here today. Amen. Amen. Here we go. We are live. I've got, um, I thought I had tonsillitis again, but uh, I, I don't think I do, but I'm going to try not shout today. Amen. But you know what? Uh, okay. You got faith for that. Um, <laughs> no, you don't, Ben. But I, I'm just so excited for what God's doing in this church. At the baptism service last week, I was reminded of why we did this church plant in the first place. You know, when you gather together and you see God's changing lives and those that got baptized, can I, can I just say to you guys, well done. Well done. The way you guys spoke and opened up your lives, your testimonies, your stories, honestly impacted my life. I was holding back, you know, you're sitting there and you just, mm, I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to cry. And it's just the glory of God. And there were tears in throughout that auditorium of people that didn't even know you were crying and weeping at what God has done in your lives. And so I was just, uh, honestly, I was so proud to be a part of this family and to actually say, this is my church family and we do life together and we're on a journey together. And some of us haven't even got to the point of putting our faith in Christ yet. Some of us have put our faith and been walking with God for years and that's okay. It's a safe place to actually journey through this thing and get to know what this God is actually all about. Because so often we think we know that, you know, a lot of atheists, we were at, in Jersey for three days this week with Brad and Beth and we were sitting at this table and there's a guy staying in the Airbnb place who was a atheist, I think Brad, uh, yeah, atheist. And Brad gets into a discussion with him at the kitchen table. And you can imagine what went down there. Two hours later, you know, you hear the guy talking. If anyone doesn't know Brad, he's quite a, a clever chap. And this guy thought he knew his philosophy and he just got dominated. But I'm just going to say, <laughs> uh, Brad showed him the love of Jesus. And we sit down there. And it's never in a patronizing way, but actually talking through faith and what that is all about. But I was just thinking, God, do it again. Do more in this church because we are hungry to see people meet Jesus. So, and yeah, God's doing stuff. So let's keep going. So today I'm going to preach on a, a title. I'm titled the message today. It's time to put your clothes on. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can, I feel like this is an American preach. I don't know why, but it's time to put your clothes on. Do you want to touch your neighbor and say, it's time to put your clothes on? Okay, there we go. <laughs> Come on. Please, we don't want any naked Christians. Amen. We're not going back to the garden. We are putting our clothes on today. Amen. So it's time to put your clothes on because I don't know about how many of you in this place, and men especially, have grown up and you struggle to put on new clothes. Now, you might be thinking, what is he talking about? Let me put it this way. How many of you men love to go shopping for clothes? 
If you do, uh, we can pray for you after the service. <laughs> the three of you that did. Um, Mitch is probably the most well-dressed person. You know, I just love Mitch's style. You know, let's give Mitch a round of applause. You can see he likes it. But if you like me, you grew up and I didn't like to let go of my old clothes. I just liked if they worked, why change them? You know, until, and I'd, I won't lie, I mean, this was like until I met Anna. Um, I walked around in clothes where they had holes in them because I wanted to be holy. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, but <laughs> I had to go there. But I had these holes in my shirts and people would say, Dylan, when are you going to get a new t-shirt? When are you going to get a new hoodie or whatever? I'm like, why do I need a new hoodie? What was it? Thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> why do I need a new hoodie if this one works? Why fix it if it's not broken? People would argue that it was broken, but it wasn't. But then I, I tell you something. I found out that you actually have to throw old clothes away, especially socks, which I don't, I've never thrown socks away until I got married. <laughs> never. Uh, you might say, well, what did you do? I just wouldn't. I hate throwing stuff away. So Anna Rush, babe, these have got to go. And we had this tension in our marriage. I can't tell you for how long, probably still ongoing, where it's like, I would like to get rid of those clothes. I'd like to throw them away. One day I just saw my socks in the bin. No questions asked. I was like, what happened? What happened here? There must have been a mistake. It can't have been on purpose that my wife would have thrown my clothing away. My, one of my favorite t-shirts that I had for like eight years gets thrown into the bin without even consulting me. Can people please give me some sympathy? Thank you, brother. You know, <laughs> all, all the ladies <laughs> in the house, you need to repent. <laughs> but I just, I found it so interesting that with putting a new item of clothing in, I hate it. And one of the reasons I don't like it, I just think, I mean, I know, I know it works, so I don't like change. I don't like to change the way I look. I mean, I'm probably the best dressed I've ever been because of Anna. You know, I mean, those that knew me, BA before Anna and AA after Anna, know that there is a difference. It happened because of a relationship with my wife. And what we're going to see today is when Paul talks in this letter, he's going to talk about putting on some new clothing, but the old clothing has to go. And it's not to get right with God or to make yourself perfect with God. The reason is because you have a love relationship and suddenly that relationship starts affecting the way you even look and dress. And it's from a basis of relationship, not a basis for relationship. So you're not changing this clothing to be accepted because Anna loved me whilst I still looked ugly and then what she oh thank you guys a little bit of sympathy there um <laughs> ugly wasn't the right word while i was still in the old clothes and then anna loved me so much that it that love changed me whether by choice and sometimes it was a holy prodding that we see so in colossians 3 we'll jump in here we were in it last week but i felt to stay in it this week so it says this uh, <laughs> verse 5 put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Can you say greed? How many of you think you're greedy? Okay, a few of you. Fantastic. How many of you think you're not? <laughs> you, you, know, you know why this is so interesting? And I've preached on this a few times, and we keep going for it. We're in probably the most greedy, materialistic society in the world. One of the most 
materialistic societies. And yet never once in all my pastoral counseling have I had someone sit down with me and say, Dylan, please pray with me. I'm struggling with the sin of greed. Not once. All the other sins, yeah, 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 I get. But when it comes to greed, suddenly people think, oh no, I'm okay, I'm generous. Mm -mm. I'm going to go for you today. Come on. Why? Because Paul says here, greed, which is idolatry. Whoa. Is this going to get intense today? Yeah, probably. (laughs) I'm just going to go for it. So I love you guys. Why is it that he says greed's idolatry? Why? Because idolatry, a lot of you think about as well, those societies in India, they're the ones that are idolatrous. The ones that are idolatrous are the ones in Africa where you've got the the carved images or the Buddha idols. That's what we think of when we think of idolatry. We don't often think of the idols found in your heart. So what we find in our society today is we look down on other societies and say, they are so idolatrous. One Indian missionary or a church leader came over to do some preaching in England. And you know what they said? They said, I'm never going there again. Why? Because I've never been in a country with so much idolatry. And the person that was hosting them was like, excuse me, I've been in your nation and I've seen your idols everywhere. Talk about us having idolatry. And they said, well, when I went to your football stadiums, I've never seen such big temples in all my life. Places where people sing their songs to their gods and put on the same uniform as everyone around them and put on their robes of worship and lift their hands and their worship to their God. And then they come into a Sunday service and they won't even lift their hands or lift their voices. Which God's bigger? Football or Jesus? Think about this. Now, what he's talking about here is greed. Greed itself. Because what I don't want you to do, and this is why we're preaching this series, is if you listen to one message, you could think, Dylan's saying this, we don't care about sin. We care very much about sin. Why? Because Jesus cares about sin, and He cares about your freedom. But the way that we conquer that sin, which is what I'm going to get to now, is different to the way religion does. The way we do it is through this love relationship, not through a works-based religion. Amen? So, come on. Rich countries tend to talk towards atheism quicker. Why? Because suddenly you trust in your wealth rather than in God. Suddenly in this society, we have a greed in our hearts and we put that up as an idol. I'm going to worship my job, make sure my job pays me well and keeps me safe rather than serving Jesus. It happens so often. You put your job before God, you end up with problems. It's true. It's gone quiet. Does that mean your job's bad? No. An idol is a good thing that becomes a God thing, and that's a bad thing. So what, is, what happens? Football, good thing. When you make it a God thing, then it's a bad thing. Your job, good thing. Make it God, and then it's a bad thing. So what we need to see here is Jesus wants freedom of every area of our lives that actually we find our trust in God and God alone. Amen. Come on. Verse 6. I only have one verse here. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Can you say wrath? Wrath. (laughs) Welcome to True Life Church. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. You with filthy language in your lips, get rid of it. Why? Because it's your old nature. It says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self, taken off with its practices and have put on the new self, which has been renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen, can you say chosen? 
people holy and dearly loved. Can you say dearly loved? loved. Clothe yourselves. Can you say clothe yourselves? (laughs) With compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Very key verse. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Come on. This is good news. Now, before the good news, you've got to understand the bad news. You cannot fully understand the grace of God unless you understand the wrath of God. And so often in churches, especially churches that I've been a part of, wrath isn't something that's taught well. We kind of, it's not a word. I've never used that word towards someone whilst I've been on this planet. I'm never like, I'm so wrathful at you, mother. You know, it's just not a way that I'd use it. But when we think of wrath, what do you think of? I think of anger. I think of a justice element of a just anger towards something or a ferocious anger. How many of you like that part of the Bible? Because let me tell you something. It is part of the story as much as the grace of God is. Unless we understand the full depths of the wrath of God, you'll never understand the full hearts of the grace of God. So let me ask you a question. How many of you struggle with this concept of wrath? A few of you that are honest. Just kidding. The wrath of God is something I've wrestled with. I've, I've been challenged by it. Theologically, I've, I've wrestled through it thinking, because there's a lot of people who try and just put it to one side and get rid of it and say, oh no, it doesn't exist. But my question to you today is, how many of you are parents in the room? Can you raise your hands? A few of you. If someone harmed your child, what emotion would you feel towards that person? Do you think wrath could describe some form of it? Yes. As a father, I've understood the wrath more clearly now. Why? Because you suddenly understand that a certain action towards someone you love deserves a certain consequence in our minds. Right? How many of you are not parents and you know there's someone that you just love on this planet more than anything? Anyone here? Can you raise your hand? Who is that person, Lauren? Your mom. Great. Josh? Your mom and dad. Oh, you guys are just so wonderful, hey? Who, who else threw up their hand? Ellis, who's that person? Uh, your sister. Awesome. Hannah, who's that person? Your mom. If someone harmed any of those people, you said, what? Do you think wrath is a just consequence from what you are feeling towards that person? Yeah. You know, you know the issue in our society today? It's not that we have a problem with wrath as much as we have a, a problem with who it's expressed towards. So we have an issue when it's expressed towards us, but we don't have an issue expressing it towards others. And what we find in, this, in these verses is Paul saying, guys, if, I need to be very clear here. If you're in Christ, there is no wrath upon your life. You are totally free from that anger, from that just anger of God. It has been satisfied in the cross. But when you are far from God and you don't know Christ, there is a consequence of living in that way. But the issue we have here is that our society does not like this thing. So we're happy to stand as judges of God and say God can't have this emotion, but we can. And what's even more fascinating is we can have it towards God. 
So I've seen people that hate God and they have wrath towards God and they don't have an issue with it. But as soon as they hear there's a wrath of God, then suddenly they have a big issue with it. Why is that? Be consistent. If you're going to walk in that thought, take it to the nth degree and actually think about what you're thinking about. Amen. Amen. So, you guys okay? Come on. Because in our society, which has focused so much on justice recently, let's be real, what is the, the thing that we see happening in our society today is people have a big justice element, which I celebrate in many regards, that there's a stirring in a generation. But what I find in a generation that is supposedly so justice-orientated and so against judgment and a spirit of judgment become the most judgmental generation we've ever seen. Hmm. Am I offending a few people today? You, you, you know why? Because I, have any of you been on the receiving of this? You Christians are just so judgmental. Hmm. What did you just do? Judge. Who's truly the judgmental one? So in our society today, we have this, we express judgment towards everything, but we never stop to consider why are we expressing that judgment? Why is it we're even concerned about justice? Because God puts something inside of us that knows when something's wrong, we want to do something about it. The difference in heart, do you see that? But what we guys don't fall for this is remember as a church, we should be the most gracious, loving people on this planet. So if you are judgmental, repent. And start being loving. Because that's what Paul says, put on love. You need to put on your clothes today. Stop walking around naked as a judgmental naked person. Hey, <laughs> repent. Put those clothes on. Next time you see someone being judgmental, I want you to tell, put your clothes on, boy. <laughs> Can you imagine? Do that, guys. If someone's going on it, just say, put your clothes on, please. Stop, stop, you know, put that on because that's what Paul calls you to do. Amen. So can I make another point here because I'm, you guys enjoying this? (laughs) Started out well. Hey, welcome to church, all the guests in the house. Um, Very important point. God is not wrath. God has wrath, but he is never described as being wrath. Very important. God is can have these emotions, but the Bible does say God is love. It doesn't say God is wrath. So if you're new here, and what I never want to do, and this is a true life church, I'll just be real with you. You can take this there. We will preach the hard verses for this reason. Because you one day will be reading this at home and think, well, what about this? Why don't they talk about this at church? Well, I pray that we never skip the harder verses. Because here's the deal. The truth of God's word is in its entirety. And I would hate to get to judgment day and be the one standing there. Why didn't you tell people the truth? Yeah, I would I would be honestly there. But notice this. Wrath is an extension of God's love, not the opposition yeah. to it. Notice as a father, if someone hurts my daughter, they will encounter the wrath of a father. Not because I hate them, but because I love my daughter. And it's a wrath that is flowing from a love for my child. Difference. Amen. Come on. So we get into some good stuff now. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Man, oh man. How many of you know that you are holy? There we go. How many of you know what holy actually means? Come on. 
Shout it out. There we go. Set apart. That's all it means. Did you know that if you have your faith in Christ, you are set apart for a purpose greater than yourself? You are not set apart just to live a life like the culture around you. You were set apart to shine Jesus before the entire planet. How many of you actually walk out like you're set apart? Can you, have any of you ever been at a lunch break at work and just thought, I just don't fit in? Oh, man. I remember sitting at a lunch break and thinking, man, and you might even be in a stage of your journey where like, I don't even know this Jesus yet, but something in my heart is stirring. I'm sitting at lunch and everyone's just gossiping, talking about a bunch of rubbish. I, I, something's just not right here. And you're sitting there you're like, I'm tired of this. You say, you know what that is? God's saying, my son, my daughter, you set apart. It's time to start living in your new identity. That actually, I'm not going to participate in this gossip. Why? Because I'm set apart. I'm not going to just live my life just like everyone around me. Why? Because I'm set apart. Stop trying to be like the world. Start shining in it. Because so often we think, oh, we're going to reach people by just being like them. I get that. But no. Shine your light. Rise and shine. You are the church of Jesus Christ. You are holy and you are dearly loved. I love that because it's dearly loved. It's not just, oh, that's my daughter. Yo, praise God for children. I remember when I was before having a a daughter, I thought, why don't people just keep their kids quiet? (laughs) I'm being honest. As a single dude, I was like, it can't be that difficult to keep a child quiet. And then I found out very quickly that babies do what they want when they want. So praise God for them. Um, But you are dearly loved. You know know why this is important? Because as Paul's talking here, he's talking about different areas of our lives relationally and in your identity and how they're connected. That actually the way True Life Church operates as a family of believers, as a family of people on a journey, the way we operate is different to the way the culture operates around us. So when I suddenly understand, Lauren, you are dearly loved, it's a different way of relating because actually I'm not relating to her to say, oh my goodness, this is just a random person. I'm like, no, this is God's daughter. Yeah. And if you truly believe it, it's a lot easier to love people that know they loved. Hmm. It's when people, oh man, I'm going to preach now. Some of you, Relationship Advice 101 here. Try and get into relationships to be loved. Oh, man. You know what that is? It's a time bomb that's waiting to explode at any point. The best relationships are the ones where you know you loved by God, and then you start dating the person because why? You're secure in that love. You're not trying to get something from someone that only Jesus himself can give. So instead of trying to rush into another relationship to fix your brokenness and your insecurity, rather get secure in Christ, know that you are holy, set apart, and dearly loved, and then take the person on a date. Come on. All the singles in the house say amen, and those that have started dating. Yes, Jesus. We'll leave it there. (laughs) But here's the deal. God loves you guys. And I celebrate the relationships in this church. But guys, do not try to fulfill the void in someone's life that only God can fulfill. 
Don't fall for that mistake. Marriage, I can't be to Anna what only Jesus can be. My job is not to be the one that loves her perfectly. Why? Because I can't. I'm like, baby, you've got me. <laughs> and praise God, we have Jesus that keeps us together and keeps us humble. Amen. Oh, man, come on. Yo, but it's time to put these new clothes on. Can you touch your neighbor again and say, it's time to put your clothes on? <laughs> Why am I saying touch your neighbor? I don't even know. I just thought about it today. I was like, you know what? Why not? <laughs> I haven't even been watching T.D. Jakes. But close yourselves. Any ladies in the room that have a new outfit that you're just waiting to show off? You bought one yesterday, Chloe. Are you excited to show people that outfit? Yeah. What, what if I said to you, Chloe, I was like, actually, you know, Chloe, just, you know, just keep it to yourself for the next three years. Would you be happy to do that? Why not? It's a long time. Why is it that it's a long time and yet in Christianity we wait so long to put on the new clothes? Could it be that we've, lo we've lost the value of that there are new clothes waiting for us? You should be saying amen. That actually three years, we should be like, why would we wait so long to live a different life? Why would we wait so long to shine Jesus Christ? Surely we'd put on the clothes and say, I'm going to show this today. You know? I'm going to put that suit on. I mean, Luke loves a good suit. I know he does. But, I mean, he looks good. He looks good. He's married now, ladies. Uh, but Luke throws on that new suit. I remember I saw him once. I was like, whoa, this guy's flashing. You know, why is he flashing? Not in that way. But he's flashing, you know. <laughs> I was talking about putting them on. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? But the thing is, Luke shines that. Why? Because when you have something you're proud to wear, it shines. And you know something? Who knows the story of Lazarus? Lazarus died and he was in the tomb for three days. And the Bible says he stinketh. Why? Because he was dead. No freezes, anything. And you know what happens is Jesus comes and he calls Lazarus out of the tomb. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out of the tomb. And Jesus, and the Bible says, he was still wrapped with strips of linen around his hands, his feet, and a burial cloth around his head. You know something? I've never seen this since reading. I've read that story many times. I've never noticed. It wasn't around his body. Never noticed that. It was his hands, his feet, and around his head. I looked at commentaries. There's nothing that I could find on it. And then Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. So many times, like I said last week, you died in Christ. You died to your old life. You have a totally new life. And Jesus says to you, he says, you are new. You are alive. But I need you to take off the grave clothes and I need you to put on your new clothes. Because why? Your hands need to be unwrapped. Where your hands have been used for evil, where your hands have been used to cause destruction, it's time to use them to do good. It's time that your feet get unwrapped so that you can walk differently. It's time that your face gets unwrapped so you look different. Why? Because Jesus is loving you and He wants you to shine in this world. Come on. You are destined for so much more. Let God touch your hands, your feet, and your face. And let the joy of the Lord shine through you. We as Christians should be the happiest people on this planet. Man, when we look at our faces in the mirror, I pray that we see joy. Come on. Look in that mirror and if you see something that doesn't look too good, sort it out. 
but say, Jesus, you created me holy and dearly loved. If you struggle with insecurity in your life, look in that mirror and say, I am holy and dearly loved. I wish I looked like that person. I would get over that person. They're overrated. They've probably got so much makeup on on Instagram filters and who knows what else. Hey? <laughs> I don't know what he just said, but I don't want to know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, you, you know, so often you're comparing yourself to something that's not even real. Be free of that. Be free of that. Amen? Come on. You guys with me? Oh, dude. Thank you, Ellis. Thank you, Ellis. We're going to... Do you want a car from Kazoo? <laughs> I, I get if you put in TLC after your purchase. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you, you know what's actually really funny about this bottle? It's totally aside here. Is that um, I'm driving another Kazoo car. They give you seven days free test drive, but I still don't like the car, so I'm giving it back. I said to the guy, I'm like, can I get another one? He's like, yeah. So you can keep just driving a new car every single, for seven days. I said, there must be a catch. Like, like surely it's, it's not, he's like, no, it's a, that's your test drive. But they give you this package, like a pamper thing with bottles and everything each time. So we collected all these kazoo bottles <laughs> until we find the right car. I said, are you sure there's no problem with this? He's like, absolutely fine. The best customer service I've ever So, you know, anyway, I'm, not, I'm really not promoting kazoo, but I'm in this situation where I'm trying to find a car and it's been a nightmare. So, yeah, I'm on the second one. Uh, but I'm giving it back. So, <laughs> but here's the deal, is your Christian life is different because your old way of life can be so conditioned in you that you think that's who you are. You know, anyone driven an automatic car here? Yeah? I, I mean, I've, I, I jump between an auto, automatic, I don't have a car now, but I use, when I use another car, it's a manual. And you know it's tricky with an automatic, and it's, you're so conditioned if you've been driving a manual car for so long, is that you try and put on the clutch, and you try and use two feet, and what happens is you break. Why? Because you're not used to driving that, you're so conditioned to use two feet that your way of driving needs to change. And in Christ, so often we're so used to going a certain way that we try and put in the clutch, we try and do this. When God's actually saying, I've overhauled the whole engine system, you need to drive in a totally different way in your life. And some of you are so conditioned to religion that you're so used to trying to please and perform for God to make yourself prim and proper. And I'm going to be a British Christian that loves Jesus perfectly. I'm going to behave every single week. Yeah. That you absolutely miss that the whole system's been overhauled and there's a totally new way of relating to God. That suddenly when you see people dancing up and down these stairs, you're saying, what is going on? You know why? They're on a new car. Jesus has transformed them. They're totally new creations in Christ. Yeah. And they are free of the old. They're not trying to overcome it. You know, um, I found, you know, I was talking about the, big, the bad dog and the good dog, you know, in Christianity. So often it's like, you've got your bad dog, don't feed it, starve it, let it die. Then you've got your new dog, your new life in Christ. You've got to try and feed that and make that, you know, all right. My friends, the bad dog is dead. Amen. Come on. But you, you know what I found fascinating is we were at this Airbnb with Brad and Beth, and there were three dogs at this place. Now, if anyone knows me, I don't particularly like dogs. Um, 
if you're a dog lover, I love them too. Um, <laughs> let me not offend anyone unnecessarily. But uh, we, we're just not fans. But Maya Grace comes in and she was scared of the dogs. So she'd come and she'd be, ooh, ooh, the dog, the dog. I, I'm a, well, she's not saying the dog, but uh, so I'd go and she'd come and run and she'd hold onto my leg, shaking like scared of the dog. And there's one dog in particular that would bite. And we were warned, this dog can bite. And you know what? We, I was so cautious as a father. I was like, oh man, if that dog bites my daughter, my goodness, I'm going to, you know? And I was standing between the dog. And what would happen, I'm like, I'm scared of this dog too. You know, I don't want to get bitten by the dog. He has my daughter like, there. But what's funny is the dog walked into our room in the middle of the night. And there's this dog. I'm like, this dog's got to get out. But now I saw the tag, so it was a dog that bites. So I thought, man, I've got to push this dog out. Because I'm not grabbing it by the collar and then it tells me. So what I do, so I, this is four o'clock in the morning. I'm pushing this dog across the room, waiting for it to snap and bite me. And I'm going, so eventually I was like, no, this thing's going to bite me. So I get a pillow. I put the pillow between me and the dog. And I can, you know, I'm pushing this dog, going, going, and just waiting for this thing to bite me. But you know what? It didn't. And I don't know where I'm going with this. But, but here's the deal. It's so often in our Christian life, it's like we're waiting for this bite from the dog. And guess what? Dog lovers, forgive this illustration. The dog's dead. The, I didn't kill the dog. <laughs> then we'd have issues. But the dog is dead. But the good dog outside is alive. We have Jesus living inside of us. You're not trying to conquer your old nature anymore, friends. You are free from that. Stop walking in fear of that thing biting you. It's gone. You've got to believe it. You know, Christianity is not a religion of trying to perform to get free of something. You are already free. Yeah. Start living like it. Amen. Amen. Come on. Can I get the worship team up, please? Oh, and no, no, but the Bible says this forgive as Christ has forgiven you. Forgiveness is probably one of the most difficult concepts to get around in Christianity because we love revenge, we love it. As people, we don't love watching films on forgiveness. Taken. Why do we love it? Because he gets revenge. If you've watched Taken, repent. <laughs> I haven't watched it. <laughs> but there's that thing when you watch a film like that, you think, The Equalizer. Haven't watched that. John Wick would never watch Stoop That Low. But there's a reason we have these ideas of what revenge is. And we don't, we don't see Denzel Washington, oh, I forgive you for doing that. It's okay. We don't like, we don't, we don't, that would be a lame film. The reason is because our culture is built on this thing of we want revenge, we want this, we want that. But the Bible's built on this thing of forgiveness. And the thing of forgiveness is so much more powerful because here's the deal, you're not get, you're not, forgiving to be forgiven you are forgiven therefore you're forgiving difference because sometimes it's taught and you're like whoa, whoa, whoa what, what about Jesus the time he said if you don't forgive then you will stay unforgiven remember what, he, what who he's talking to a bunch of Pharisees I don't have time to go into this in detail a bunch of Pharisees before the cross and what what, sh what shifted between Matthew and what shifted by Colossians the cross of Christ and what he says is Paul's not, He's 
forgive because you've already been forgiven in Christ. Because the whole relationship is different that when you put your faith in Christ, you're raised in Christ, and suddenly you're already forgiven. Now express that forgiveness towards the world. Like when Jesus had the sinful woman that was at his feet, weeping over his feet. And the Bible says that the Pharisee, the religious guy in the crowd was saying, Lord, if you were a prophet, you would know what kind of woman this is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus said, Simon, I have something to tell you. He says, tell me, Lord. He said, two men owed a certain money lender money. One owed 50 pounds, another owed 500 pounds. The money lender decided, I'm going to forgive the debt of them both. I'm going to cancel it. And Jesus asked Simon, he said, which of the two do you think loved him more? And Jesus, uh, and Simon replies, he says, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. He said, you have judged correctly, Simon. The debt that you have, you might think is so big, but that debt has been canceled. And then it says, because he has been forgiven much, loves much. He has been forgiven little, loves little. When you understand how much you've been forgiven, it's easy to love. When I know, you know, people confess all kinds of things to me. I never, I, honestly, I don't feel judgment ever. I don't, I literally can't remember the last time. Because why? I just feel love. Because I know how much I've been forgiven and how much death was cancelled in me. And you might be sitting there and thinking, Dylan, I'm a Christian, I've been for years, but I just can't let go of this thing. You need to let go now. You need to stop pushing this dog around with you. It's time to let go. It's time to let go. I don't know what you've experienced in your life, but when you know you've been forgiven, you can forgive. When you still think, I'm trying to be forgiven so that I can be forgiven. No, 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 no. You need to change your thinking, friend. Christ has forgiven you once for all. I used to run a little bank in South Africa. A little bank, literally, out of my room. And when I was about 10, I started this bank and I started lending out money to all the domestic workers in the vicinity. And I just reinvested, reinvested, built up, long story. This one lady came once and she had a big debt, big debt. And she had loan sharks after her. And those loan sharks are some nasty people in South Africa. You don't mess around with them. And she came to me for help. And I was about 13, 14 at the time. And this little 13, 14 old with my ledger book and I had all my, you know, deals going. I said, look, I'll lend you the money. You don't have to pay me back if you don't want to, whatever. Um, but sort this debt out. You go there. And it was to see the tears in that woman's eyes when something she did not deserve, something she did not earn, and the fear that she had her whole, every single day as they were threatening her family, threatening her life, was suddenly gone. Why? Because of the generosity of someone she did not know, suddenly freedom came. And that's the same thing Jesus has done for you. He said, actually, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You don't need to fear the loan sharks coming. You are free from that. And so are the people around you that put their faith in Christ. And I encourage you, if you're holding unforgiveness towards someone today, it's time to let them go. You know why? Because in letting them go, you've let yourself go as well. And you're honoring Christ. Amen. So I wonder if we can stand and I want to pray for you and allow the Spirit of God to minister.